In the last half of this century, there has been one mind-boggling giant of a mystery, which has overridden the knowledge gathered by mankind through the ages. There seems to be no answer to the reason for the appearances of the unidentified flying objects, the UFOs. Abby who? Abby normal. Can your heart stand the shocking facts? Broadcasting from the backwoods of Fayette County, Pennsylvania, and promoting better living through bad movies, Clockwork Cardiac Productions presents Abnormal State Theater. I cannot, yet I must. And now we present the theater curator and host of these broadcasts, Dr. R.D. Gearhart. Hello, welcome, one and all, to episode number two of Abnormal State Theater, the podcast where we look at bizarre and obscure films of past and present and examine their therapeutic value as a cure for the common movie. I'm your host, Dr. R.D. Gearhart, and this is the episode for July 2015, as for the time being, this is going to be a monthly podcast. I was hoping to go twice a month, but that's going to have to wait until real life lets up on me a little bit. This past month, though, has been a really rough one for film fans, with the passing of a number of entertainment luminaries, most notably Sir Christopher Lee... On June 7th, he was 93 years old and had lived quite a life, from fighting Nazis during World War II to telling Peter Jackson during the filming of Lord of the Rings what uh, kind of noise a man makes when stabbed in the back, because he knew from experience. Uh, the man had an amazing film career, there's no doubt about it. For one generation, he was Count Dracula. For another generation, he was Francisco Scaramanga, the man with the golden gun, one of the greatest Bond villains. And for yet another generation, he was both Count Dooku in the Star Wars prequels and Saruman in the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit films. Another major loss to Hollywood was James Horner, who died on the 22nd in a plane crash. He died at the age of 61 in that crash. And if you don't know the name, you probably know the music, because this man composed music for all sorts of things. Titanic, which he won an Oscar for, um, Avatar, Field of Dreams, Troy, Glory, both Cocoon films, and uh, one of my own personal favorites, Apollo 13. Definitely the end of an era for both uh, men. So today we're going to consider Overlords of the UFO a documentary, or pseudo-documentary, you might say, made in 1976 at the height of the 70s pseudo-documentary era. We'll get into some background information on the film after this brief message. 
Next thing you know, the Shinola folks will be offering to put the shoe polish on for you. Their new Shinola liquid wax not only shines itself with no rubbing or brushing, it now has an ingenious new kind of applicator that takes the work out of applying the polish. It's a flexible, flat-shaped applicator that bends to the contour of your shoe and eases right into those hard-to-get-at corners. Spreads the polish so accurately, you don't even have to take your shoes off to shine them. And Liquid Shinola's new wax shine is as special as the applicator. It's the fine leather shine you don't have to brush. Why not turn over your family's shoe-shining chores to new Shinola Liquid Wax? The 1970s saw a boom in documentary films concerning aliens, UFOs, the paranormal, cryptozoology, especially Bigfoot, and so on. I prefer to call these pseudo-documentaries because they do fall outside the scope of regular mainstream science documentaries. One of the first was Chariots of the Gods in 1970, based on the works of Swiss author Eric von Daniken. This movie put forward the theory that such feats of ancient engineering as the pyramids of Egypt, uh, the Nazca lines in Peru, uh, the great uh, Inca and Maya pyramids, were the work of visitors from another planet who came to Earth in ancient times and were worshipped as gods by the Earthlings, and that these ancient alien visits were the basis of all religion and mythology. Now, since this movie came out, a good many of Van, Von Daniken's theories have been disproved, but some people still believe. But I'm not here to debate the existence of aliens. My point is that Chariots of the Gods was a very entertaining film that did quite well when it came out, to the point that a TV producer named Alan Landsberg took the film and edited it down to a one-hour TV special called In Search of Ancient Astronauts and had the legendary Rod Serling narrate it to give it an air of authority. It was such a success that Landsberg decided to launch a weekly TV series that would have also been hosted by Rod Serling if he hadn't died before production began. When Leonard Nimoy signed on to host the show, a classic of 70s TV was born. In Search of ran from 1977 to 1982 and was wildly popular. I own the whole series on DVD myself. There was an attempt at a revival in 2002, uh, which starred Mitch Pileggi from The X-Files as the host, but it only lasted one season. It couldn't really recapture the magic. But as far as the original goes, the combination of science, history, speculation, and Leonard Nimoy in a number of ridiculous TV outfits and haircuts is hard to beat. It's the standard by which I measure most other pseudo-documentaries of the 70s. The year before In Search Of came out, as America celebrated its bicentennial, a production company in the Pacific Northwest called Tower Films released its own entry into the genre called Overlords of the UFO. And it's this movie we're going to be examining today. 
I'd only heard about this one recently myself while listening to the B-Movie Cast, a podcast I highly recommend, by the way. Uh, Vince, Mary, Nick, and Juan, those guys have it together when it comes to B-Movie reviews. Anyway, one of their listeners left some feedback mentioning this obscure UFO documentary that had been supposedly banned and suppressed by the government when it first came out. So I did a little research on Overlords of the UFO and was able to find the whole documentary on YouTube. But apart from the claims of the person who posted the video, I couldn't really find anything else about the film having been suppressed or banned. The gist of what I've read about the premise of the film seems that it claims to be a scientific news documentary, quote-unquote, that presents evidence that UFOs have been visiting Earth from other dimensions of existence as opposed to other planets, and that the scientific community at large has long ignored this evidence, and now they're going to present it to the public unvarnished. There really isn't a lot of background on this film. What we do know is that it was directed by someone called G. Brooks Stanford and that a gentleman named W. Gordon Allen was writer, producer, scientific consultant, and host. And Overlords of the UFO is the only credit either of these folks has on IMDb. That's not a good sign. But there are a couple of guest stars whose names are fairly well known. One of them is uh, Stanton Friedman, a physicist and ufologist who has appeared on a number of History Channel shows about UFOs and aliens. Uh, my dad always got a kick out of watching these programs during the last few years of his life, and Stanton Friedman seemed to always be one of the people that they'd interview. He had some very strong convictions on the subject of UFOs. The other is Uri Geller, a magician and self-styled psychic who is best known for bending spoons and keys and other household objects with what he claims is the power of his mind. His act has pretty much been written off as just sleight of hand and stage magic by most critics. And the fact that he once appeared on The Tonight Show and refused to do his spoon-bending act when Johnny Carson wouldn't let him use his own spoons doesn't help him much. He also was a close friend of Michael Jackson, for whatever that's worth. Now I'm going to step into the screening chamber to view the film. I wasn't able to find an actual trailer for it, so instead I'll just share a few choice clips with you for the next few minutes, and then I'll be back to share my thoughts on Overlords of the UFO. Prize ending, you'll see the answers to this incredible worldwide UFO mystery. The origin of the alien intelligences who are the overlords of the UFO. 
We now reveal the facts of the UFO which couldn't be kept secret. The planet's most incredible unsolved mystery. Despite the cover-up efforts of world governments, a world silence, silenced by fear, and a helpless world military, private scientific investigators all over the planet have contributed the UFO evidence which we now reveal. The UFO, the secret that couldn't be kept, that can no longer be covered up. Knowledge, the key to the secrets of the universe. Man's pursuit of the mystery surrounding the UFO and the Etherians continues. And although many books have been written about the subject, the best available information is speculation. So what we have offered you is the best available speculation. The Etherians seem to want to know what we are doing, and we had better know too. Think about what we are doing to ourselves, because it could have a profound effect on beings in other dimensions. And this whole question about UFOs could be a much larger question than devices simply flying around in our airspace. We will meet the Etherians, the overlords of the UFO, when we are worthy. I'm back. Oh boy. Okay. Well, I actually ended up watching this movie twice because there is so much crazy in this film that one viewing wasn't allowing me to digest it all. Now, as I said before, I'm not going to enter into the UFO debate itself. This is a movie review podcast, not a forum for opinions on aliens or the paranormal, so I'll keep my opinions on that to myself, thank you very much. But I will say this. This so-called scientific news documentary did absolutely nothing to help the cause of those who believe in aliens or UFOs. If, in fact, this documentary had been long banned or suppressed, as it's claimed, it wasn't because of any earth-shaking revelations or evidence that would incriminate the government. Instead, it's because this is a total omni-shambles of a motion picture from start to finish and an embarrassment to anybody involved in its production. No wonder the IMDb entries are so short. What really, really hurts it is W. Gordon Allen's narration. It would have to improve considerably for me to say that it insults the audience intelligence. I mean, imagine Criswell's disjointed prologue from Plan 9 from Outer Space. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. But stretched out over an entire feature-length film. That's what Overlords of the UFO basically sounds like. Grammar, syntax, conventional sentence structure, all of these things just fly right out the window any time this guy opens his mouth. And maybe flying out the window isn't the best word to use. Maybe it's more like that they fling themselves out the window willingly to escape his assaults. If he says the term, Unidentified flying objects. You can put money on the likelihood he'll immediately follow up by saying, all important like, The UFOs. 
as if nobody but he understands how acronyms or initialisms work. Speaking of which, throughout the program, he can't seem to make up his mind about how to refer to these said unidentified flying objects in their plural form. One moment, he grandiosely will call them the UFO, as if they're a collective entity, and then later he'll simply say UFOs the way most of us would. As a contrast, here's a clip of Stanton Friedman speaking on the topic during his interview in this movie. The government has never really said what it's been credited as saying, that there are no flying sounds. They really word their press releases very carefully. The press takes it that last step. Uh, I think every government in the world has three major problems along these lines with regard to UFOs. One, they'd like themselves to figure out how it works, because it makes a great weapons delivery system. It makes anything worth flying look pretty naive by comparison. Two, you'd want to make sure that the other guy doesn't figure out how to duplicate their behavior, because then you have a defense problem. If he's got something that flies like these things, we got a problem because we can't handle it. And three, perhaps most important, a kind of philosophical political problem, as soon as it becomes obvious to the people on the planet and widely accepted that flying saucers are real and from off the earth, there's going to be a push for a view of man as earthlings. The people on this planet, instead of I'm an American or Russian or Chinese, I'm an earthling. There is no government that wants its citizens to owe their primary allegiance to the planet as opposed to the country. Nobody wants to give up their power. And you know, all these jokes about take me to your leader, that's wishful thinking. What's funny about those is that there is no leader to be taken to. There's nobody who speaks for planet Earth. So there are enormous political problems with anybody saying, yes, there's somebody out there and he's coming here and he doesn't want to talk to me as a representative of the planet. Who do we, how do we choose who speaks for the planet? I don't know. Now, it's quite possible that Mr. Friedman's as full of it as Mr. Allen, but at least he knows how to present his argument in a logical, coherent manner that makes people want to hear more. It's called charisma, and it's sorely lacking in Mr. Allen's narration of this film. And it feels like that he can't let two minutes pass without asking the question, Who are the overlords of the UFO? Look, buddy, it's in the title. We get it. The information, or the earth-shaking evidence, as uh, he puts it, is presented in a completely unconvincing manner. I played the clips in the section I'd usually play a trailer for a reason, to show how self-contradictory it all is. About 20 minutes in, he says that we're going to see the facts of the UFO which couldn't be kept secret. But then he ends the movie by admitting the best available information is speculation. So what we have offered you is the best available speculation. It's a bait and switch all the way. In comparison, the old In Search Of programs always preceded the meat of the show with the disclaimer, This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The producer's purpose is to suggest some possible explanations, but not necessarily the only ones, to the mysteries we will examine. They put it right out there on Front Street that a good bit of it was guesswork. Most of the interviews in this film are second or third-hand accounts, instead of primary sources, such as the brother of one individual who claimed to be a UFO abductee or the police officer who investigated another sighting but wasn't there himself when it supposedly happened. So basically, it's hearsay. And when newspaper headlines are quoted, 
They're typically from supermarket tabloids that at the time were the equivalent of the weekly world news today. The credibility of much of the photographic and video evidence is shaky at best and handled in an incredibly incompetent way. For instance, one photo is said to show two flying saucers. Now one is easily visible, but there's a circle and an arrow to point out the location of the second one. It's drawn right on the photograph. Trouble is, there's nothing in the circle. Now it could just be the poor quality of the video recording that I watched. Let's face it. No company like Criterion or Kino or Aero Video is going to release a remastered Blu-ray of Overlords of the UFO anytime soon, so that one I'll give the benefit of the doubt. But not as easily forgiven is the picture that Mr. Allen touts as the best UFO photograph in the world. The military took it years ago and kept it secret. This was supposedly taken during the Korean War. Now, it seriously looks like Uncle Martin's ship from My Favorite Martian was heading straight for the photographer when they snapped it. Not only does Mr. Allen not provide any authentication for this photo other than his own glowing recommendation, but the photo itself damages its credibility by the writing under the image that identifies it as a promotional still from the film Overlords of the UFO. Have these people never heard of cropping? It's literally a photograph of the photograph tacked on a paneled wall. And don't get me started on the paneling in this movie. So much wood paneling. This could have only been made in the 70s. Who are the overlords of the UFO? And when the movie does bother to cite a source to verify the photos, or for that matter, any of the other so-called facts, it's done so in a jaw-droppingly shoddy fashion. There's a photo, supposedly from the Italian Alps, of a landed UFO that looks like a stretch version of the egg that Mork rode to Earth from the planet Orc. And according to Mr. Allen, Verification of the origin of these photographs was made for the producers of this motion picture by a Swiss researcher and niece of psychiatrist Dr. Carl Gustav Jung, Miss Lou Zinstag. How can that be used as any kind of credentials? First up, so Jung's her uncle. So what? You can't pick your relatives. Second, it's never established what her field of study is. And if indeed it's psychiatry, like her famous uncle, how would that give her the authority to verify a photograph? It's a photograph, not an ink blot. If a little more information were given as to what her actual area of expertise is, perhaps I could start caring about this researcher's opinion. Another glaring instance is when the film explores the topic of cattle mutilations many of which are now explained by natural causes, such as the carcasses exploding due to the gases that build up as they decompose. But this movie states with much conviction that... UFOs can be blamed, says the University of Wyoming student newspaper. And how proud we all are of that renowned scientific journal. Are you kidding me? A college student newspaper? Do they have nothing better to do at that university? But Mr. Allen makes those bored college students seem like Pulitzer material when he offers this alternative explanation. There is now striking evidence that the cause is not a configurated UFO spacecraft, but what is mistaken for a UFO 
is something just as new to science. Invisible flying predators. Now, let's take a moment to think about what we just heard. Configurated UFO spacecraft? I actually grabbed a dictionary just um, now, and the word configurated doesn't exist. The only term that even comes close is configured. And quite frankly, I'm not sure that configurated or configured means what Mr. Allen thinks it means here. He could have just said UFO or spacecraft or alien vessel and we'd have all caught his drift for whatever it was worth. Really, it just sounds like he's trying to sound more intelligent than he really is, which actually is a statement that could describe this whole movie. But then he blames the mutilations on... Invisible critters. And the evidence is basically some blobby film footage that clearly looks doctored, and then artists' renderings of photographs taken of the... Invisible critters. I can't believe I'm hearing that phrase uttered in a movie that claims to be a serious documentary. Moving right along, what else is troubling me here? Oh yes, the special effects. In a word, they aren't. The opening animation, and I use that term very charitably here, shows the view inside of a fighter jet's cockpit, drawn by someone who clearly doesn't know how perspective works. It almost looks like they were trying to simulate a fisheye lens view, but not successfully. Then a light starts to flash outside the cockpit behind the pilot, finally popping into the form of a generic flying saucer, accompanied by a burst of bombastic public domain music. And believe me, that's the only kind of music you're going to hear through this whole mess. Does the pilot turn his head to see the wonders happening behind him? Nope, because he's not really animated. Who are the overlords of the UFO? Hey! Anyway, even more underwhelming are the effects from the section of the movie called Space Voyage from Umo, which details an alleged alien contact that took place in the Pyrenees. A number of people there claim that in 1966 they were contacted by aliens who came from the planet Umo in the Wolf 424 star system, some 90 trillion light years away, by means of interdimensional travel and black holes. I would like to point out that the Yumo intelligences that they're referred to here have since been revealed as a hoax. It was actually instigated by a Spanish psychologist looking into the nature of paranoia and the experiment got out of hand. But by the time that he confessed that it was all made up, the whole Yumo fiasco had already taken on a life of its own. And interestingly enough, while he initiated that hoax by means of letters sent to a number of Spanish professionals in various fields, this program maintains that the Yumo aliens contacted them telepathically. Last time I checked, they don't charge postage for telepathy. Anyway, the effects supposedly simulating the Yumo voyage through the dimensions cycle between stock photographs of the planets beyond Earth and some trippy psychedelic patterns that look like rejected ideas from a Pink Floyd concert light show. There's also some film footage in the latter part of the movie that is purported to be a private plane being pursued during its landing by a flying saucer. Uh, the saucer is described as an Adamski-type UFO. Under the bell-shaped hull are three spheres. It is these globes which, when excited by a high energy level, cause the UFO to become immune to gravity. And you can see how these spheres are so important to Mr. Allen. 
The saucer is clearly wobbling on a string, worse than Ed Wood's model kit saucers from Plan 9. I mean, I could buy a model on eBay of the same type of flying saucer for about 30 bucks, take my dad's old fishing pole, and concoct better footage than this with my iPhone. One of the most annoying aspects of the film is the incessant carping on NASA, the US government, the military, basically any and all authority figures, for refusing to acknowledge the existence of UFOs. Nowadays, it's kind of taken for granted that governments are corrupt and withhold information, that there are conspiracies and cover-ups and so on and so forth, but this kind of cynicism was the new big thing back then, not very long after Watergate first shook the public's confidence in their elected officials. But again, this film manages to totally drop the ball even on expressing this cynicism. I give you the following clip as evidence. Governments are charged with upholding the law, and no law on earth is more basic than the law of gravity. No wonder the obvious anti-gravity capability of the UFO makes governments uncomfortable. What? You chose that hill to defend? Okay, if that's the case, and the governments of the world feel the need to enforce the law of gravity, then Daedalus, the Montgolfier brothers, Count von Zeppelin, and the Wright brothers should have all been clapped in irons. Mr. Allen, what is wrong with you? Who are the overlords of the UFO? Hey, I'm asking the questions here. And the strength of this program's attacks constantly on NASA for essentially doing their job, exploring the visible universe, that is, is undercut by two massive gaffes made during a section about the astronauts who inhabited the American Skylab space station. The complaint is made that the scientific experiments are in almost every instance planned, not to open new areas of the unknown in cosmic science, but to reinforce the ideas we already hold regarding the reality of the universe. Planners have left no time or leeway in which the UFO can be postulated, thought about, or examined. Basically, once again, he's complaining about astronauts doing their job. Now, a little bit of background information about Skylab, because not all of you listeners might be familiar with that in this age of the International Space Station. Skylab was a space station launched into orbit by the same kind of Saturn V rocket that sent the Apollo astronauts to the moon. It was essentially built out of an adapted Saturn S-4B upper stage, about 90 feet long and 60 feet wide, give or take, including the solar panels. Two of them were built, but only one was put into orbit in 1973. It eventually re-entered and broke up in the atmosphere six years later. I've seen the other one, it's on display at the Smithsonian, and it is big. That being said, you'd think that Mr. Allen and his flunkies would have been able to obtain an accurate photograph of Skylab, or maybe even some NASA stock footage of the exterior to go along with this section. I mean, they did manage to get NASA film footage of the astronauts inside of Skylab. And even without the easy access to Google Images that we have today, any self-respecting public library would have had the October 1974 issue of National Geographic on hand at the time, which has a wonderful and fully illustrated article on Skylab. I know, I've read it. But any time an exterior shot of Skylab is needed, the movie cuts to the same picture over and over again of a spacecraft that was not Skylab. 
Instead, we're treated to a photo of the Agena target vehicle, which was relatively tiny compared to Skylab. It was a little unmanned satellite launched into orbit during the later flights of Project Gemini to practice the rendezvous and docking maneuvers that would be needed for the Apollo moon missions. In other words, it wasn't Skylab. This would be, to put it in other terms, like talking about the B-29 bomber from World War II dropping the atom bomb on Hiroshima, but instead putting up a picture of a biplane dusting crops. The second blunder had me actually backing up the video and replaying it several times to make sure I didn't just hallucinate it. Apparently, NASA representatives shooed Mr. Allen or one of his henchmen away whenever they approached him them for a quote about UFOs. So then this happened. The producers of this motion picture were answered on two occasions by high public affairs administrators of NASA, who stated, It's not in our charter to investigate the UFO. Now, since NASA typically doesn't employ grammatically challenged blowhards, I can't bring myself to believe that one of their people would use the term the UFO as it's used here. Second, well, just listen to it again. It's not in our charter to investigate the UFO. If I were a betting man, I'd put money down right now that this was just the host holding his nose and speaking through a filter. Like this. Now, before you call shenanigans on me for saying that, listen to part of what I'm guessing was supposed to be a reenactment of the conversation between a couple of airline pilots that plays fairly early in the film. You know, Captain, I keep thinking about a real problem, and it's bugging me. What's that? Well, remember the uh, TWA case when uh, Captain Schemmel dived under a UFO and about a dozen passengers got hurt? Boy, I sure do, yeah. Ever think of what that would be like on a 747? Well, I've, I've thought about it, but I don't talk about it too much. Now, you can't tell me that that's not Mr. Allen doing all of these voices. And finally, what of the surprise ending that you heard about in the group of clips I played in place of a trailer? Actually, you heard it during that group of clips. The last clip where the host admits that everything he's talked about is just the best available speculation. You might recall that he also mentions the Ethereum and identifies them as the overlords of the UFO. Well, in a sense, it is a surprise because at no other point in the movie has he used the word Ethereans, and yet now he talks about them as if we should be quite familiar with them at this point. It leaves the viewer confused and questioning whether or not they missed something earlier in the movie. It's actually a very twisted kind of clever, especially if this had been shown in theaters and drive-ins, because it could make viewers think that maybe they missed something, and so they'll go back to watch the film again. And by the time they realize they've been had, they've already paid for another ticket. So, in a movie full of huckster tricks, it's only fitting that it ends with one. But even though this documentary was devoid of anything even remotely resembling a fact, I still learned a few things from watching it. When a civil or military authority says that they cannot truthfully deny that UFO incidents are taking place, it's not the same thing as that authority admitting that they are taking place. 
I mean, I could say that I went on a date last night with Scarlett Johansson. And how many of you listening to this could truthfully deny that I did? Who are the overlords of the UFO? Listen, buddy, that's getting old. Is that the only thing that you can say in your defense, Mr. Allen? Go away. Anyway, when you're talking about an encounter that a twin-engine cargo plane had with a UFO, make sure the airplane in the picture you're narrating has two engines and not four. This movie talks about a C-47 cargo plane known as the Dakota and shows a picture of a B-29 Super Fortress. It's sort of the Skylab fiasco all over again. Moving right along, if your primary journalistic sources include the National Enquirer and the Star, being taken seriously no longer exists as an option, unless you're one of the men in black. Best investigator reporting on the planet. Go ahead, read the New York Times if you want to. They get lucky sometimes. If you feature photos of supposedly of interdimensional spacecraft from UMO, or UMO, excuse me, emblazoned with the IH superimposed marking, unlike any alphabetical symbol on Earth, then you'll want to make sure your audience doesn't include anyone who's ever ordered Chinese food or is familiar with the products of the International Harvester Company. If one of your star witnesses to the existence of UFOs and invisible energies through which aliens could communicate with us makes a living bending keys with his mind and performing faith healing on stopped wristwatches, both acts which have been proven to be clever sleight of hand, your pseudo-documentary may not get the respect you think it deserves. And finally, we live in a universe where the following sentence has been uttered without the slightest hint of irony. The alien intelligences of the UFO and the human earthlings are all common inhabitants of the cosmic energy intelligence continuum. I have trouble believing that those particular words were ever put together in that particular order ever before this movie was made, or for that matter, ever since this movie was made. Who are the overlords of the UFO? Sorry about that, folks, but I just had to put him out of his misery. What a senseless waste. Anyway, in spite of everything that I've done to rip this movie a new one over the past few minutes, in spite of these people not really being able to tell Shinola from that other stuff when it comes to making documentaries or presenting scientific facts, actual scientific facts, I can't bring myself to hate this movie, although I don't have any desire to watch it again just by myself. This is best watched by a group, because this film gets on its knees, bows down, and begs, no, it grovels, for the MST3K treatment. You can tell it was intended to be taken seriously. There's never any kind of wink at the audience or any deliberate camp. But it falls so short of the mark that it veers into unintentional comedy. The first time I watched it, I came away angry at just how ignorant this so-called scientific news documentary was. But the second time, I found myself starting to giggle uncontrollably and think to myself that I have to watch this with some unsuspecting friends and watch the hilarity ensue. And if you choose to watch it, that's how I'd recommend doing it. This is definitely not something to watch alone. Watch it with a group and just rip it to shreds. It's perfect grist for that kind of commentary. 
Or if you have a sci-fi or UFO themed party, you could always put this on the TV for some entertaining background music. You can find it on VHS on Amazon.com or eBay from time to time, or basically the equivalent of a homemade DVD format on eBay for around 10 bucks. There may be some video outlets that sell it as well, but honestly, save your money. If you're able to stream YouTube over your TV, you can watch it in the comfort of your living room for free. For something that was banned and suppressed, it certainly made its way into the public domain in a hurry. So, in the final wash, Overlords of the UFO is a resounding, spectacular failure to deliver as the documentary it claims to be. However, that very failure does end up being what redeems it as entertainment, but only under the right circumstances. For that reason, it does earn a place in our vault. Finishes up Abnormal State Theater for July of 2015. I'm not sure yet what I'll be watching for next month's show. Maybe something from Roger Corman's body of work, or maybe one of uh, Vincent Price's classic films. Or maybe one of those films that qualify as both of those things. In any case, thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in around the beginning of August for the next episode, and in the meantime, be sure to watch some abnormal films, because normal is just boring. This is Dr. R.D. Gearhart signing off. Watch out for snakes. This has been a Clockwork Cardiac Production. <laughs>